Hello, friends, and welcome to the first episode of the podcast. As you may know, this is a spinoff relaunch of the HR Sucks podcast, of which I've been on hiatus for about eight months. It's good to be back. We have Janet Breitenbach in the barrel with us for this pilot episode, who is a partner, executive coach, and director of the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching at Novus Global. She's also a firebrand for limitless growth. It's her drive for mastery that draws in Fortune 500 executives, founders, and creatives. And it's her ability to disrupt assumptions that keeps them coming back. She's actually my coach who I've been partnering with since November of 2020, and she's been invaluable to my life since then. If you are interested in learning about how to make your goals tangible, what vulnerability actually means, and some of the ways Janet has helped me on my journey, stay tuned. This is the Values in Vino podcast where we believe that shared values bring people together and values misalignment can keep people apart from one another, including themselves. So we'll be here discussing what values are, how people can discover their values, and how we all can live within those values personally and professionally. Did I mention there may be some wine drinking? If you love values or wine as much as we do, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review. Without further ado, enjoy this episode of the Values and Vino podcast. Hi, Janet. Hello, Katrina. Welcome to the Values and Vino podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm very excited to be here. Yay! Yeah! Okay, so in case people don't know, um, you are my, do you like to be called an executive coach? Or like, what's your thing? I like executive coach. There are a lot of titles for what uh, I do or in this industry, but I love executive coach. That seems to encompass it all yeah I mean some people say life coach and I'm like it doesn't feel good (laughs) yeah well and you know what there's a lot of crossover and tools uh every coach has either a different focus or different philosophy um different uh ideas of what's going to be the most helpful and a different type of clientele I work with mostly executives either CEOs or higher level management so um, you know, when I used to work with um, people who weren't at that level, the tools did change a little bit, just slightly. Like there's a lot of common tools, but uh, working with executives, there's different conversations about leadership and scaling and all kinds of stuff. But as you know, our conversations uh, run the gamut of topics when you and I talk. That's very true. <laughs> Speaking of running the gamut, uh-huh. we need to tell the audience the wine that we're drinking yes, for we this do. episode. Yes, we do. All right. So the goal for um, the goal for these episodes is to try a wine that I haven't had before, and so I picked this one up. It's um, Provenance Vineyards, and it's a Rutherford. Uh, a Cab Sauv Napa Valley. So it is a 2017. I would say the only preference I have with wine is that it has to be at least three years old. Ooh, I've never even thought of that. What yeah, What made you I'm decide big, three years older or more? I, I feel like the newer, when they're younger, uh, they're more acidic. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed and that I'm, too. I'm more of a mellow. I like mellow tasting wine. And so um, it made it easier to pick, actually, because there wasn't a lot of selection for older wines. And um, because I, I, in my style, waited until last minute, I went to Vons. And I, nice. <laughs> and I looked for Go Vons. For a nice bottle that was, you know, <laughs> the mo- one of the top line ones at least. But 
Vivino says it's a great match for me. I have that app too. And I, as soon as you sent it to me, I took a picture of it. If you don't have this app, it's a really fun one if you're trying to learn about wines. And mm-hmm. it was fun to, to read the reviews and what people are saying. So, yeah, I'm excited. And now you know how much I probably paid for yes, it. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's give this one. All right. Let's give this a try. I'm going to be drinking it in my lovely, uh, what, what do you call this thing? This pers- personalized tumbler that Katrina sent me Wine with tumbler. my name on it. I know. My team put it together. Mm. They did good. Mm. Mm, that is good. It's yummy. It's really smooth. Yes. And I I am not in any way, shape, or form an expert at this. The word bold comes mm-hmm. to mind. How do people do it? Yeah. The t- the what do they call them? Tan tannins? The tannins. Tan- tannins. Tannins. <laughs> yeah, tannins or and your your one. boyfriend taught us something really cool the last time we met on how to look at the wine with the background and see if it was a young wine or an older wine, which this I already know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the extent of my knowledge. Uh, and it it also tastes oaky. Do you taste that in there? Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. It's really good. Thank you for that wine. No, it was my pleasure. And... Uh, you know, you're definitely a better girlfriend than I am because you retain information. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I retain information, your boyfriend said. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just tell you. I'll teach it back to you. Yay. <laughs> okay, so now that we've, um, you know, we're bringing the mood down a little bit. It's Monday. It's 3 o'clock. <laughs> 3 o'clock. Ready? We're having wine. Mm-hmm. The workday is kind of over, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. I was going to play pickleball later. Might not. It's a good way to get some exercise. Yes. Um, but, you know, really what I wanted to talk to you about is coaching. And I would consider myself um, a skeptic when it came to coaching. I really, I, I believe, or at the time, I believed, like, it, it was, like, was it real? Like, do they actually know what they're saying? Where are they learning these things? Is it just, you know, the handful of exercises? And I, I just didn't really know much about it. And last year, I was thinking, you know, instead of judging it, I really, maybe I need to talk to actual coaches and get an idea. Mm of like what they actually do and I I didn't want I didn't feel like I didn't feel good yeah judging and so I talked to a friend of mine who we both know Jason and I gave it I was like what do you actually do and I had this like conversation with him and he broke it down for me and I'm like okay I totally get that um and then I would say a couple of months after that maybe a few months after that I really, you know, I was just feeling really burned out and I didn't see the needle moving. Mm. I'm like, but I'm so tired. Like, why are things not moving Mm. Um, in all aspects of my life? I had been journaling for quite some time and I was writing things and I just realized like the path is broken. Like the path that I'm on is not the path that's going to take me Mm. where I really want to go. Mm. So I realized I needed some help. I needed some, some unbiased help. Um, And so I started scheduling calls and meetings with coaches and um, I went on first dates is what I called them. Yeah. I didn't really like any of them. I I was almost getting very discouraged Mm. or like very um, righteous. Mm. And I knew it like (laughs) this is all the same. Like nobody I just like wasn't connecting with them. I didn't trust them. Yeah. You know. And so I reached back out to Jason and and I asked him like, hey, who do you recommend? And he was like, I have the perfect person for you. So you and I had a call. And 
you instantly like we connected instantly um you gave me some great feedback right away some exercises to do we went on a second date and and now we've been working since then that was november december yeah almost a year and a couple of months yeah which is wild how many you i remember you telling me about that how many coaches did you talk to five that's wild i've talked to people who have dated a few coaches before me but never that many oh no five i went on first date yeah like just no, nobody made it to the second yeah. you were the only one that i was <laughs> i i felt like I, I really want to talk to her again um and i felt excited about it mm. yeah and and that brings me to like what got you into coaching um I mean, what were the, I've had misconceptions. What were some misconceptions that you had? Yeah. You know, what's funny is I was very similar to you. I remember in my early twenties hearing about this thing called a life coach and judging the crap out of that idea. Of course I knew nothing about what it was, but I thought what kind of a fake uh, job is a life coach? Fast forward 10 years later, I'm training to be an executive coach. Uh, so yeah, I, I think there's, what I love, Katrina, is that like I think cynics can be good. I think being skeptical is a way to actually wrestle with things and you were willing to wrestle. You didn't just shut it down. You were willing to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough to say something's not working. Um, which is cool for me it was the same thing I remember well one hitting a rock bottom um gosh how many years ago now I think it was 2012 when I went through a divorce uh felt like I was at a ceiling with my job I didn't even love what I was doing uh I felt like jack of all trades master of none I I didn't see my life going anywhere incredible I only saw like oh I'm I got by because I'm generally good at things that I put my mind to um, which I think can be deceiving and unless you look at it after a while you go okay yeah I'm good at everything but what was important to me was I want to develop mastery at something I want to be really good at something I want to explore what I'm capable of and I kept feeling like I hit a ceiling so it was a similar uh awareness where i decided to attend this three-day weekend workshop led by two executive coaches and went in with all the skepticism cynicism uh that weekend and that weekend disrupted me in all the best ways and i left saying okay where have been the mentors and leaders in my life who haven't asked me these questions why is no one giving me this feedback uh, mm-hmm. I need a coach and I want to be a coach. I knew that weekend that this is what I wanted to do. And uh, it's been a crazy, crazy journey of growth since then. It's It's been almost nonstop <laughs> um, in good ways. And not that it's completely tiring all the time. It's fulfilling. It's joyful. It's difficult. It's all the things. And so that's what initially got me into coaching I love that yeah and you know you have been invaluable I I feel over the last year of Mm. where I am today I I when we first engaged I was like she's gonna take my business to another level and it's gonna be amazing Mm. and I'm gonna make all this money and I think we had a conversation or when we set some goals um about what I was looking for yeah. the outcomes that I was looking for. And it was, I remember it, it seems so long ago, but it really isn't. <laughs> but I think just mentally it feels yeah. long, a long time yeah. ago because my life is completely different yeah. um, from then. And it was like, I want to make a million dollars this year. Like my take home is going to be, I had a breakdown of it. I knew how I was going to do it, what I was going to do. Um, and then a couple months into it, I just felt um, like it wasn't enough. Yeah. Not that the money wasn't enough. And not that the quantity of money yeah. wasn't enough, but the money itself was not enough yeah. to motivate me. Yeah. I was not motivated by that. Um, and so after a couple of conversations, I would say 
one of the biggest things that you helped me get through was you recommended this book for me to read by Byron Katie, mm-hmm. which is Loving What Is. And, and I recommend it to people who I know have similar struggles. Um, and I read it and it really helped me push me past like the threshold of seeing my mom for who she is today mm. instead of what she, what I felt she should have been. Mm. Yeah. And all the things that, that she wasn't, yeah. you know? Um, and then I, I always like to compare that to the Grinch and like my heart grew three times bigger <laughs> after that. Um, because I saw the entire world a lot differently. Mm. Like once I was able to see her, Um, and I was reading like one of the last chapters in the book and she was in the kitchen. My daughter and I had, um, spent the night there just checking a box, right? Like I'm a good daughter check. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to go spend time with my mom, but it it was just something to finish. You know, it wasn't something that I was fully present in. And, um, I was reading this chapter and, and it really got to me. And I remember just looking up and she's like in her fuzzy robe and, She's in the refrigerator looking for food for breakfast, you know, so we can eat and everything. And I just saw her in that moment where I'm just like, she's a grandma or a mother, like looking for food to make sure her family is good. Yeah. And she was no longer this, this woman who I felt caused me a lot of pain, who wasn't what I thought she should be. And all these other things that had happened years ago right when I was um, a minor and so I just had this like overwhelming feeling to get up and hug her and I just embraced her for the first time and it was like I was feeling her for the first time Mm. I I realized how like little she was (laughs) yeah um like she was so little and like comfy and cozy in her robe and and she felt it too and and um, I know it sounds anecdotal, but it's like everything changed after that. Yeah. I just saw her differently and I told myself, I'm no, I'm not going to do this anymore to her or to me. And I want to enjoy our time together. Right. You know, you, I don't need to punish her anymore. Yeah. Sounds like you saw her humanity in that moment. Like you, she's a human. Yeah. And that book, exactly. And, and, and that book, like it, I saw everybody that way, you know, mm-hmm. like it just changed the way I approached situations how I managed, like how I handled people and their emotions when other people came to me, you know, and had issues with people around them. Yeah. And, you know, I almost became devil's advocate. And I'm like, well, well maybe, you know, they just had a bad day yeah. or maybe <laughs> I, it, it just completely switched for me. And yeah. that was really helpful. And so I think you opening that up for me, mm-hmm. um, helped me see like why the things I had been doing up until that point were unfulfilling. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you went from, uh, the conversations about making money to seeing your mom the way that you now see her. What do you think was the jump? What shifted from like, this is, this is what is valuable from the coaching to, oh, this is actually more valuable. What happened there for you? Well, I believe, you know, um, I remember you asking me this question after I, we'd gone through this like a couple of times. I was like shedding yeah. like layers, right? And you even, I thought I was an Enneagram 3 and you're like, I think you're an 8. And <laughs> I was like, oh, really? And I read it and I'm like, yep, and that's me. And like, it's that lust, right? Mm. I have a very lustful personality or I did or I, I have a lustful personality at times. I'm like all in on things. Right. And then if something just isn't what I expected it to be, I'm gone. Yeah. And, and, and that there's a problem there because you're not present, mm-hmm. right? You're just like this. No, 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 this is it. This is the best thing. Like it's gonna, it's like the Uber of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like amazing. It's gonna <laughs> change the world. And, Almost get high, um, high off of the, the next hype, the next exciting thing. And yeah, yeah jump from thing to thing to thing. Yeah. And you're not looking at red flags, mm-hmm. right? You're like ignoring them. Yeah. There's like a red flag that's like, hello, yeah. look at me, <laughs> pay attention. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you're, you're just in my way. Mm-hmm. And then like something happens where I can't ignore it. And then everything like reappears, yeah. right? And in hindsight, I'm like, oh, this isn't really good at all. Yeah. But the problem is I've already like, like the term we use is I have to like blow it up because mm-hmm. I've already caused like 
connections and yep. told a lot of people about it. And yeah. So then I have to like blow it all up. Yeah. So I think from that, like learning about that, that about myself personally really helped me connect where I was doing that mm. professionally. That's awesome. Well, and yeah. that's what I find interesting about this work is the connection between what we think is, okay, career talk and personal talk, but they all really overlap. And so how you interact with your relationships with fulfillment, with love will actually affect how you show up for your business relationships and your partners and your investors and your clients. And uh, that's why I, lo I love this. I mean, I, I personally have a coach and a therapist, and I think they're both really valuable. Um, I've, I love this work because it creates space for people to have human conversations about the heart, about motivators, about blind spots and yeah it's just it's just been fun to watch you become aware of your blind spots and and open your heart I think we talked talked a lot about um you learning how to feel too that was a big thing yeah that was and I think that up until you know this year I would similar to your story about um, like a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. um, I felt very similarly mm -hmm. where I was I was doing things because I was good at them, but not but I wasn't great yeah. at anything. Yeah. You know, I was just I was just going with things because I was good at it, and then I'd get over it, and it was just like a constant thing. Um, and I remember, like, we set a goal. And I didn't hit the goal. Mm -hmm. And you were like, well, how would you feel if you didn't hit the goal? And I was just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, like, I'd be fine. Yeah. And you're like, you, okay. <laughs> and then like you threw that away. And then you, you know, you, you gave me some exercises to do. And this isn't like, I want everybody to know this isn't like an overnight thing. This isn't like a yeah. one conversation thing, right? This was, this was like a few weeks yeah. and like months of you, you know, picking things up and like bookmarking yeah. and picking something else up and bookmarking yeah. it. doesn't, if everybody thinks that it's just, there's like one conversation that's going to change your life, um, I don't think that that's the case. I think that you, there were other conversations that helped this conversation like get you over the threshold right right but but i want everybody to know it's not this like one conversation it's a lot of work yeah. um and when you told me i wasn't connect i, I wasn't well what was the reason well, why you said i that? i think i noticed not only kind of a, a apathy it was a breakup well there was that too there's the your goals breakups it was pretty much anything there was a lack of thrill for better for better uh i don't know if that's the best word but uh and almost a disconnect like you didn't like you were kind of numb and mm -hmm. so then i'd poke around and ask like well what would be exciting with that how would that feel and there, everything seemed kind of uh straight lined <laughs> you know like there wasn't really anything uh that would disappoint or thrill you other than these crazy extreme things, because almost like just like a, um, uh, an addict, a drug addict who has had all the stuff, they need the, the bigger hit, the bigger hit, the bigger hit, which is probably why you were going after these crazy things, crazy numbers, because like, I can't really feel anything. So let's, let's do this crazy, awesome thing. But then there was mm. a point where you would, if you felt like that wasn't coming down the road, you would just, yeah, it's not important anymore. And yeah. I thought that was interesting. And so then I asked you, which usually that's a, a, a clue to me that maybe there's some, some callousness or some numbness um, for whatever reason that's been created as, out of a form of protecting yourself. And so I asked about that. I think I asked, like, when's the last time you felt truly disappointed? I don't that's know if right. I don't know if and you remember like that. It was like a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like high school or something. Yeah. And me meanwhile I've gone, you know, I've had a baby and I've done, you know, I've survived the financial crisis being in the banking industry and and that was like the the last thing I can remember that was like really tough for me. Yeah. And and I and 
I think at the beginning I was like, okay, I have to feel all the bad feelings. Like, mm. come on, bad feelings. Right. Let me feel them. I'm going right. to feel you. And, and so I did that it was, I was like acknowledging how I felt about certain things. But what I didn't realize that was going to be a product of that is I was able to feel joy Mm-hmm. far more than I had been able to before. And so yeah. I feel maybe I was blocked in general, yeah. like from feeling good and bad. And I used to brag about that. They used to be, that was something I identified with mm-hmm. of, I'm not like, I'm not really up, but I don't really go down. I'm like always in the middle of the spectrum of like temperament and feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to brag about it. Um, but I don't anymore. And yeah. I realized I was missing out on a lot of joy mm-hmm. and, and happiness and so the byproduct of you working with me of feeling like hurt and and trauma and the things that I that everybody experiences um helped me connect with like my why and my passion and yeah and so there's definitely a reward that comes with that yeah that's beautiful yeah. And, and getting into the values conversation, yes. um, I remember you asked me like, well, like, what do you, what do you want to, like, where do you see your life in 10 years? And the only thing I could think of was I just want to show up, you know, like I just want to show up for the people in my life. That's like number one, like people to feel love, safe and supported mm-hmm now in any conversation and anything that we do that's my goal that's my number one life goal and so that really rooted into my values and so i wanted to ask you um like when did you first discover values in your life and what has been the evolution of your values over time yeah so you asked me this ahead of time so i had i had fun thinking about this because I think it's come in different forms, whether it's what are the most important things, what are my desires. I think I've had, (laughs) the first thing that popped up in my head was I've had a lot of unhealthy values, things like looking good or being the best at something, like that was my bullseye and that didn't, that got me so far. It didn't get me um, fulfillment necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. So honestly, the evolution has been, the, the consistent has been people, and freedom honestly um and when i say freedom i mean uh emotional and mental freedom and it's probably has a little bit to do with my story i feel like such a large part of my life was me taking actions or having behaviors that were driven by me feeling run by these unconscious conversations thoughts and beliefs in my head Uh, looking for my identity to come from my achievements, from my Mm. reputation, from what other people saw that I could, could do. And so that was my bullseye for so long. And basically I felt like a hamster in a wheel, you know, just go Mm. constantly striving, 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 never feeling like I'm actually uh, arriving. So um, for me, when I discovered this work and coaching and I hired my own coach, it was really, uh, coming to grips with the fact that that's why I was so unhappy. That's why I was so unfulfilled was that I felt trapped by, um, by this need. And I didn't actually love who I was. I didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I loved her. I didn't feel like I loved her. And so, of course, I'm looking for all these outside circumstances to validate me. So, so mental freedom is such a big thing for me. Um, people, conversations, community, community. I, so I pulled out this val- list of values that Brene Brown uh, has, and I just circled a bunch. And community, connection, and freedom are all on there. Mm-hmm. And I think community is big, too, because I and maybe this is part of my DNA, but I have the firm belief that most people are longing for, desire some form of connection, um, wanting to not feel alone. And I think that is what contributes to this feeling of, like Brene Brown calls it, wholeheartedness. Um, And so uh, one of my favorite hobbies is entertaining. I love hosting. I love helping people feel like I'm, I'm home, I belong. Uh, because I think that's another big contributing factor for me is for the longest time I didn't feel like anywhere was home. 
I moved from place to place to place to place growing up. Uh, my home wasn't necessarily an emotionally safe place. So I was always looking for someone else, somewhere else to be home for me. And so it's really important to me that people can feel a sense of home, whether it's with their family or someone outside of their family. Um, so for me, those are two big things. Uh, it's, it's freedom, um, it's community, and it's uh, connection. Those are, those are big, big values for me over the last few years. How are you defining um, like connection, for example, mm. like how are, how are you defining it or like measuring your, yourself? Like how, you know what mm. I mean? Like, how am I doing in, con- in this yeah. value? Have I been like living through it? How are you determining or discerning if you're on, if you're within that value or you're living within that value? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something I'm asking myself often um, some measurements I <laughs> lately I've been defining it by difficult conversations. So I feel like if I'm not having or, or vulnerable, it doesn't have to be difficult. And by the way, it, it could be this wonderful, vulnerable conversation and not be difficult. So maybe vulnerable is a better word. Am I having vulnerable conversations with my friends where I'm being honest about where I'm at, uh, where they feel they can be honest about where they're at? Uh, cause I think there was a big chunk of my life where I had lots of acquaintances, lots of friends, but when it came down to it, who, who could I trust with the icky, gross, not so pretty, um, difficult things in my life. And so Mm -hmm. I, I love it by like just regular, whether it's weekly or monthly. Um, even as I'm talking to you now, I'm thinking of some friends that I haven't connected with recently. I'm like, how are they doing? And uh, it's it's that with those regular connection spaces for vulnerable conversations or um, honestly being able to say, I'm sorry, or will you forgive me? Uh, or uh, those are such beautiful connecting moments for me that I feel like a lot of us don't have because it's vulnerable to say I was wrong or it's vulnerable to say, uh, I'm not feeling that great or perfect today, or I'm not feeling put together. Um, we went to play tennis last week, and I was like, I'm just not myself today. <laughs> and Which I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I noticed kind of. Yeah, yeah. What I remember thinking, I want to be, I want to be honest with Katrina right now. You know, and I was like, how? Because even for me, it's been a lifelong practice to actually connect with and understand what I'm feeling or thinking. Because I have all my survival mechanisms that are in place to just be out there doing my thing and we're, I'm good and we're good and everything's good. And so to be able to go, something, something's not connecting. What's wrong? Oh, I feel overwhelmed right now. Oh, I feel sad. I don't know why. Is it, is it, you know, is it bad tacos or is it like, am I depressed? You know, what's going on here? Like, cause sometimes I seriously don't know. Um, and I have to check with myself. So, um, to me, that's a form of connection. If I'm not having those conversations, I feel like, uh, I'm not living in, in community with people. Yeah. And I saw it too. I, I mean, maybe be like emotionally, obviously it's part of my job. And so it's to like be able to identify when someone isn't feeling okay or, um, but I remember asking you like, are you, you seem like you're in your head and you're like, no, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm in my head. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I remember saying, yeah, girl, I'm in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, right? I knew you, it. I knew I was in my head. I just didn't know what I was in my head about. It was uh, mm-hmm. it, it was like f- flooding thoughts coming in and out. And is that is that temporary? Is that permanent? Is that? And then I went home, had a good cry, and uh, the next day I felt great. <laughs> Yeah, and after you launched some tennis balls. Yes, like, after I me. played some tennis. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like doctors are right in that area. Like, just go out and exercise. Sometimes it'll make you feel better. <laughs> yes. yes. It, it, that was fun. <laughs> yes. That was definitely. And so and so of those values, which one do you feel um, you have to check yourself with, mm. like, more often than others? Yeah. I think um, – well, let me, let me read my full list. So freedom, community, uh, this is just f- from today, uh, connection, growth, humor, love, vulnerability, and risk-taking. But it's funny because I see a lot of crossover with some of the ones that I chose. 
because even growth requires risk taking and vulnerability. Um, uh, vulnerability requires it's it's a form of a risk uh, and humor. I I value that because it's a form of being able to laugh at yourself. I remember having so mm-hmm. many moments as a kid where I was so embarrassed and. Uh, I learned at an age, thankfully, that helped me like, oh, okay, if I learn to laugh at myself, things aren't as embarrassing. Um, and, and it's a form of vulnerability. So honestly, it's vulnerability. I think, uh, you know, as a self, self, uh, assessed Enneagram three, uh, vulnerability tends to be one of the biggest, um, difficulties for us, but at the same time, like, uh, People tell me all the time now, they're like, what, really? I feel like you're so vulnerable. It's like, yeah, because I'm forcing it out constantly. <laughs> I, I'm literally like so aware of it. I'm like, okay, when you sow vulnerability, you reap vulnerability. And and I learned that lesson about seven, eight years ago. I mean, I've learned it continuously, but there were some distinct moments where I got some feedback where people felt like it was an open invitation for a relationship. But then if I got, if they got too close, they felt a little bit of a, you know, uh, of a guarding or, or whatever it was like, just kind of a block. And it hit me. And I was like, this is why sometimes my biggest complaint is I don't feel close to people or I don't have friendships. And now I feel like I actually have vulnerable friendships, community, same thing in a romantic relationship. I feel like that's one of the most vulnerable places you can put yourself Uh, and everyone loves to romanticize the idea of being with someone and getting married, but it's like, it is exposing. It is so exposing. You have someone who's going to see you at your worst. And so that is the biggest form of vulnerability. And so, um, that's the one I, I'm constantly looking to challenge myself in and grow. And, you know, vulnerability is defined differently for each person. Mm -hmm. I feel, um, you know, people who are telling you like, really? Like, I thought you were vulnerable. It's, it's like the way you define vulnerability could be completely different from them. Like, you know, people may think that it's easy for me to be vulnerable because I'm an open book, Mm -hmm. right? I talk about like my bowel movements and periods and (laughs) sex and all these things, but that's not vulnerable to me because that's a very normal dialogue for me. Vulnerability Mm. for me would be like, I don't know what to do. That's right. So good. I don't I don't know how to stop feeling this way. Mm. Um, and so I think that's important for people to understand is vulnerability is different for everybody. It means something completely different. Yeah. Vulnerability could mean like for for one person, you know, who you're all out to dinner and they don't feel like eating and, and for whatever reason, but they're just eating because everybody else is, mm, you know, yeah. and, and they're, they're afraid to be vulnerable and say like, I actually don't like want to eat here. I don't have an appetite right now. Or, you know, they don't want to deal with the pushback that comes with that. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Uh, the other way I could, I could describe that is vulnerability depends on your vision. So if, for example, if my vision is to have an intimate, close relationship with my spouse, uh, then it will require certain moments of vulnerability with him or in an argument saying, you know what, I was wrong. Um, and, and it also has to do with our survival mechanisms. For me, if I define being wrong as like not good enough or not having it all together, then I'm going to resist that level of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, if someone, if their vulnerability for them is, um, th- their belief is you have to be a, a nice to be a good friend, then to say mm-hmm. something not nice to their friend because their vision is to be honest and to give them feedback could be extremely vulnerable because they risk looking like unkind. Um, so that's mm-hmm. a really good point. It, it all depends on your vision and what your beliefs are about what good or right or um, kind is, any of those adjectives, honestly. Yeah, and it's brave Mm -hmm. to be, you know, vulnerable. Um, You know, I was raised in a family that was like, you don't tell people anything. Mm. Like, tell them nothing. Like, like there's a lot of people that don't even know my mom's date of birth. Mm. Like she, I, I try to throw her a 50th birthday party like nine years ago. And she's like, let's just wait a few years. I'm like, but 
you're not gonna be 50 anymore <laughs> so it's like a 50th you know, birthday I was, on her 57th birthday <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and so it, you know that's how I was raised mm. was like you don't tell people anything yeah that that can possibly come back to you later and and um I'm sure everybody's experienced that especially in romantic relationships yeah. you you're, you tell them things maybe like that happened in past relationships and somehow, some way they, they find a way to yep. use it as a weapon. Mm -hmm. And every time that's happened to me, I for sure have been like, my mama was right. <laughs> she was right about that. But something, you know, just kept me going. Of, yeah. You know, there's going to be someone who won't do that. Yep. There's, yep. there's going to be someone who understands, um, like this is a safe place yeah and you don't you don't use those things as weapons because yeah. then then all the other values get broken yeah right respect and trust and um joy like everything just gets killed after yeah. that and so so vulnerability is big for I think it's a big one yeah. for a lot of people. Which, which you know, and comes to show that if, if you're doing this exercise and you're trying to think through what your values are and maybe you can look up the uh, the list that Brene Brown has, um, another question to ask yourself after you circle your values to ask yourself, where did that come from? Like, what beliefs do I have? How was I raised? That Because oftentimes either our beliefs are a form of a rebellion as well. So um, for... My sisters and I, I notice a lot of like, because there was this overly Christian tone and, you know, th certain things are bad. You're not allowed to do this. So there's almost like a rebellion. So they value certain things simply because of that as a, as a way to say, forget this. Right. So it's like, for me, I found it really valuable to go, okay, is that out of a rebellion because mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to go to the other extreme because of my experience with my mom or my dad? Um, is this out of because of a traumatic experience I had? So I'm, I'm going to that. So it's like good to go, okay, what is my value and why? And how does that help me do what I want to accomplish? Or how does it help me have the relationships that I want to have? I think is really important to ask versus just sim simply out of this form of, like, uh, because uh, my experience with that was bad. So I want to go to the opposite of that, which can often lead towards actually hurting others um, mm -hmm. or a disconnection. Right. Right. And I mean, even my first exposure to like values was actually like a Tony Robbins book. <laughs> nice. I think it was Awaken the Giant or... It sounds like it's a title like of, of Tony big, Robbins' book. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a really thick, <laughs> That's it was awesome. like a really thick book and I read it and mm. it talked about values and I'm like, okay, like I'll, you know, these like sound great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wrote them down and I defined them and like what they meant. And I was in a relationship and I was like, Hey, like you should also pick your values and we should see like, do we have alignment? And, and values because because the thing is is you can't have like 12 values you know like you can't prioritize 12 values like it's one of those like if you stand for everything you stand for nothing you know yeah it's just really difficult you pick like maybe i don't know six to ten yeah i would say that you can regularly like check in with yeah you know Freedom, of course, was one of mine. Yes, nice. You know, I'm an eight. Yeah. So I want to be controlled. <laughs> um, and so I just remember, like, he was reading mine. He's like, those look good. I'm like, no, no, you got to do your own. <laughs> like, do your own. Because <laughs> you're like, I, I need realized, freedom. You have to be separate. Yeah, I, I realized the gap was just really big. Mm. Like, where I was and where that person was, mm. um, which causes a lot of conflict, right? Mm. Because you just, you're not... You know, if anybody, whether it's a relationship, a coworker, hmm. a friend, um, you know, anything like like a, a company that you buy from, if you feel like there's just like you're up here, your conversations here, and they're conver like you're just missing each other on the bridge, hmm. it's probably like a values alignment. You know, when when you feel like the conversations are very circular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's because they're valuing something differently than you're valuing it. And it's not wrong. It's not like they're a bad person or you are. It's not wrong. It's just different. Yeah. 
Well, and or at least some sort of alignment or understanding around, oh, this is very important to my partner. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, um, like there's one on here, service, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. Like at first, Ryan and I would, would have some disagreements because... I was almost a little too emotionally attached to this idea that one of my values is is generosity and giving, which is you know super noble and whatnot. But then it's like he's like, well, what does that actually mean? You know, he has also has a value for um, making the most out of our finances. And if he thinks that what I mean is giving all our money away, that may not make him feel very you know uh, very safe because if sec- some level of security is valued there so then I after talking through it I realized we're actually in alignment here we just don't un- we need to understand how we can pick something we- that we can do together so we've recently mm-hmm. been able to uh, come up with a way to serve our community uh, in a way that is enjoyable for him it's enjoyable for me, you know, it's not just my thing, you know, like, well, I want to do this and he feels forced into it or like he's bad if he doesn't do it. So I think just having some really open, aka vulnerable conversations about what does that actually mean and being willing to get like, that was hard for me because at first I was protecting it so deeply that it, I, it didn't allow me to actually hear his concerns. Um, and I think that's really even like defining it a, a little bit, mm-hmm. right? At the, like gener- generosity was I mean, if if it's like okay, well we put like five percent, ten percent of our earnings, and we donate that to charity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then that in itself could be could help with him. Like, okay, she doesn't mean all the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or even is- there's you know he has experiences where he knows charities that have been really irresponsible with their money. You know, so he has a little right. bit more of th- that experience where I have the value. I'm kind of like, even if they end up not using my money correctly, I still value just giving it away. And so, but mm-hmm. to honor his fear, you know, like, hey, that makes sense. There are a lot of shady charities out there. So let's find one that we both love, that we both, you know, believe in, that we can contribute. So one doesn't feel resentful uh, of mm-hmm. that experience. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's often just a conversation. Right. And a conversation without ego. Yes. Yes. Right. Like you go into it with this result that you want to be on the same page, not that you want to win or he wants to win. Exactly. So I want to go back to your, like your coaching, um, just because I think there are a lot of people that are curious about it. Um, maybe even thinking about engaging with a coach or changing, you know, coaches or whatever that may look like. What are some patterns in um, challenges that you see with clients? And what is an exercise or tool that you use with clients to get them back on track? This is this is this is a lot. This is good. All right. Um, This is my free coaching. Hold on. Let me get a pen and paper (laughs) really quick. Girl, you got it all. You got it all. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, I like, let me answer the first question. So you said common challenges. Is that kind of the, the first part? Yeah. What are some patterns that like when, when, when people are engaging with you, what is a common or like a pattern with them at first that, that they're like mm. a struggle that they're all having? I can think of many, but the very first one that comes to mind, especially uh, initially when I have the first intake conversation with people, is most people are pretty vague about what it is mm-hmm. they want. Um, and I'm pretty passionate about this one because I see it, like probably 99% of people that I talk to the very first time, I'll ask them a bunch of questions, they'll talk about what they want, and... Most of them are vague. It's a lot of like, yeah, more money or more peace or more happiness or just not bad, by the way. That's actually a great place to start. Um, It just tends to be more and more, again, the word keeps coming up, but I think it's important, vulnerable to actually get specific. Because once you get specific, you're putting yourself on the hook. You're putting yourself on the line to say, wow, I actually want this and I want this by this date. And this is what I want it to look like. Because then it forces you to actually move. And so for a lot of people, um, well, it could it could induce two emotions, either fear or excitement. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, okay, we're doing this. It's real. It's happening. 
Uh, or it's like, ah, I'm going to shut down. I'm going to self-sabotage. I don't wanna. <laughs> Maybe I don't actually want that. Maybe I just want, you know, a few dollars more. Um, so that's, that's one of the biggest challenges I see. Even for those people who think, oh, no, I'm really specific. You'd be amazed uh, when we're actually talking through it where there are so many missing pieces or where even there's a resistance to get specific where it's like well I don't need to figure that out yet and it's like well yeah we're just dreaming here um like what would that what could it look like so most people I think because they're not aware of the emotional reaction that getting specific can can induce they resist it they avoid it and they just stay vague so there's so, there's one tool honestly we literally call it the funnel of specificity so I, I get getting to kill two birds with one stone here uh, if you uh, use the funnel of specificity, which is basically just an easy, nice, comfortable way to say, get specific, get measurable. Um, that is the first thing that you can do without even hiring a coach. Uh, if you find that difficult, a coach can help you get more specific. Do you ever feel tempted to say specificity with a list? Ooh, specificity. <laughs> I don't, but I imagine that you do. <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 take these very obscure visions and you really help them turn it into something that's tangible. Mm-hmm. And whether tangibly able to achieve it or tan- they're they're like actually feeling it now and realize mm-hmm. I don't really think I want that. Yeah. Yeah, because oftentimes when you get more specific, you either get clear that I didn't actually want it or I do want that. But gosh, that scares the heck out of me and it's scary to imagine going after it. Um, Or um, people have these at first non-specific things they want. So, for example, I was working with someone who uh, leads a team of like 15 people. He's an incredible, incredible manager, but... He noticed he got very, he was getting frustrated pretty consistently with his team, with different individuals, mm. and he just didn't like that he was getting frustrated. So I said, what would thrill you in the coaching space? He's like, um, I would love to not be frustrated anymore, which by the way, that's that's a great place to start. It's like, great, how do we measure that? You know, um, How do you want your team to experience you? So we were able to come up with a way to actually, and, and this is where it can be very vulnerable because Oftentimes a way of measuring something like that is to get feedback. And more often than not, people don't ask for feedback because what if I failed? What if I didn't, you know, people still experience me as frustrated. So we came up with this way of measuring like, hey, write down four or five statements of things that you want to be able to confidently say by the end of the coaching time or things that you want your team to be able to confidently say about you as a leader. And then his goal was to get 10 out of 10 rating on all of those things. And so he actually got a chance to ask his team. And then obviously the self part is arbitrary. He was like, okay, mm-hmm. no, I, I feel so for some of it, it was like 10 out of 10. I feel like confident going into a conversation without being frustrated. This other one, maybe seven out of 10. We're almost there. Right. So it's just a way of actually gauging. Is this happening? Is there movement? Is there change? Um, so you'd be surprised at things that feel hard to measure that, um, there are actually creative ways to measure. Absolutely. And, you know, that has really been a big part, I think in the value for us working together. Mm-hmm. Um, there were things that I, you know, I, you were able to help me put into tangible goals and I was like feeling them. I'm like, I don't, I don't, mm-mm. no, I don't want to do that. And which I'm sure it was a frustration for you. Like, <laughs> can we just focus on one goal at a time, please? <laughs> um, and and which you know you don't get these results. I mean, some people I'm sure get results right away, but some people it takes months, it takes a year, it takes two years mm-hmm. um, for you to work at it. You know, it yeah. really. I think I came. I think at the at the time of my life when we engaged, I was just like. I'm going to get as much value from this as I can. Mm. You know, it was, I was in a place where I felt um, like I was making more money than I ever had. And I just felt like crap. Yeah. 
And so I realized like money, it's just not it. I think there's, it could be a byproduct of like chasing your passion and, and, and doing something that's meaningful and, and is fulfilling, but to chase after that like thing, I just can't imagine that that just wasn't going to be a fulfilling situation for me. Um, and so then it was like throwing it all away and kind of starting over of, of like the, the building blocks had to come first. Yep. Um, which is why I think think it it was important for us to slow down for a minute, um, Mm -hmm. and really build those things. Uh, just, I mean, to speak to that, that's why I don't like to work with someone for only like three months. (laughs) Because right. it takes time sometimes to like, if the whirlpool is going in one direction to like change the direction, you're basically building all your new ways of thinking, beliefs, values, uh, mo- what's what motivates me so that you can actually create some flow, some easy momentum towards those things without it being your identity, which it doesn't seem like making that money or hitting that thing is your identity at all anymore. You know, um, not that it was before, right. but there was, it, it, maybe you weren't clear before. I wasn't clear about a lot of things before, <laughs> um, which is why we work together. <laughs> so, I love it. Um, and, and I'm super excited. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm on a good path now. I'm, you know, working on some things that, mean a lot to me Mm. now and I can like feel it and I feel excited and and I feel all this all the feelings that are good to feel because they're (laughs) feelings and they're important and um we love feelings we love feelings now (laughs) um speaking of feelings what does happiness look like for you Mm. yeah great question hmm I think Gosh, I, the picture that comes to mind is, well, one, there's joy and there's happiness. So like when I order main chick spicy chicken sandwiches with french fries in Pasadena. <laughs> I was that the place that gave us free food? That was a place that we all went to and they had clothes and they had extra food and they gave it to us for free. Um, when I have that, I feel so happy. Um, but then there's joy, which to me, joy is like goes deeper and it's semantics. Mm-hmm. So joy, happiness, however you want to define it. Joy to me is like this grounded feeling of that. Even if like I didn't get what I wanted that day or today, or I got that rejection, um, or mm-hmm. I didn't hit my target. There's like a, a gratitude, like a, a, an overwhelming gratitude of, man, I get to be here now and do this life and go through this challenge and get that no and uh, take that leap of faith and fall on my face. You know, there's just, to me, happiness is an overwhelming, uh, like ever so present gratitude of just the in-between. Whereas I, and the reason I say that is because for so long it was about the end result if I get the end result, then I'll be happy. If I can make this much money, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Which just wasn't true for so long. I think I when when you explain that to me, I think of like a warm hug. Yeah. Like no matter, it, it, it's like it doesn't matter if things went or didn't or didn't go as expected but like you feel this this warmth Mm -hmm. of like safety and love no matter what happens and and even to a certain extent where you embrace the challenges and you're like okay what can I learn from this yeah yeah right I think I love which to me is kind of beautiful isn't it kind of a picture too of you know really having parents that love you like the picture of of a child falling scraping their knee and the parent like they just feel like i'm okay like i'm crying Mm -hmm. i'm 12 years old i'm crying i hurt my leg but my parents are there and i think for those of us who didn't have that like maybe as stable or as steady um it's something that we have to almost learn and create for ourselves it's it's actually kind of why i'm a big one of my favorite charities actually is Adopt Together, which is an organization that helps um, 
find a family. Their motto is a family for every child. And they help Mm. uh, parents who actually want to adopt raise the funds to be able to pay for the exorbitant cost of adoption. And just that, like, I'm just a big proponent that if the more of us that can create or have families where we feel safe, loved for who we are, not because of, because I got that, that raise or I, I got that client or I launched that product. Like, no, we're just safe. We're good. We're wrapped in a hug of love. Mm -hmm. Then it's like so much easier to go out into the world and take risks and try things because I'm like, oh, I'm loved. You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm loved by my people. I'm loved by my family. And so I didn't have that so much growing up. So learning mm-hmm. to create that and self-generate that with through community, through th- doing the work has been really important. And I don't take that for granted. I really like that. Right? I, I, and I think that values has you know, it plays a huge role in you being able to define that, Mm. you know, and, and, and being in like healthy relationships, not just Ryan, but just in general, your friendships, your business partnerships, your clients, right? I'm sure, I'm sure that there are some clients that you, you're just so misaligned in values. Mm. Um, it just doesn't work, Mm. you know, because they want some, they're, they're, whatever they're trying to achieve is just not something that is aligned with some, with the way you want to teach them or the way you want to support them in that sense. And so, um, and and that's the whole point. Like this is why I asked this question because I do think being able to identify your values, define them and navigate through life with them as like your, the core. Yeah and your filtration system for making decisions, um, I think that is where happiness lies. Yeah. And and honoring that every, like, yeah. sing, as, as many times as possible. And, and even when you don't, right, we were having a conversation where there, there were times when we didn't honor our values and, and it felt icky mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. And, but being able to recognize, I know why this feels this way. Mm-hmm. Which means yeah. you know how to fix it, right? Yeah. yeah. You go back and you're like, you know, <laughs> remember what I said when I said that was okay? It's not okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, and that was really the whole premise of, of this podcast, to be honest. I love that. So, like, which value are you going to be focusing on right now? Hold on. I'm going to coach you. Okay. Mm. Hold on. I'm ready. Okay, Give it Janet. To me. Coach Cat. What value? Give me some commitments. Mm. I need some commitments from you <laughs> on how on what you what you're going to do to ensure that you're focused on like one of the values. Mm. Since you ask. I would say a fun commitment for me that I've been ruminating on this last week is to set aside time on my calendar to think through who I want to connect with. Uh, So as an example, I have um, a good friend who's on her honeymoon right now. And I, it was one of those things where I thought to myself, man, uh, I should get Ryan and we should make a video and send it to them and just say, we hope you guys have the best time at your honeymoon. And it never happened. Um, and I mm. think there's still time. But if so, that's a perfect example of when my thoughts don't align with my action. So, you know, I had this great thought, like it would be so sweet to, to make sure that they know that we're rooting for them or excited for them, that they get to go on their honeymoon and yada, yada. And action didn't happen. Um, so I think adding a block of time to my calendar to actually look through my list of, uh, friends or, uh, community and go, okay, what, uh, how can I reach out to someone today and show them that they're loved? Okay. When do you want to achieve (laughs) that by? I will do that by midnight tonight. I will have it in my calendar. Oh, look at that. Midnight tonight. Okay. Enjoying your your wine, yes. which is really good. It's opened up a little more. Let's take another mm, sip of Rooney. Okay. Mm. 
Oh yeah, smooth baby. Yeah, that's good. Go out and that's get yourself really a bottle, everyone. Get yourself a bottle mm-hmm. and download Vivino because, um, you know, for me, it's like all I know how to describe wine is if it tastes good or it doesn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Vivino helped me. Yes. <laughs> put like names to it and names mm-hmm. to bottles that I really liked. And you, you keep entering like the bottles that you try in it. The AI will like match, you know, certain ones to your preferences. So. It's actually really cool. Pretty cool. Um, Janet, yes. where can people find you? Oh, and gosh. and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to spell out the last name. Oh. this time. Yeah, it used to be so easy. <laughs> it, yes. Um, my uh, so my Instagram. I'm pretty active there. Not as active as I'd like to be, but it's uh, my username is Janet dot Breitenbach. I'll spell that B R E I T E N B A C H. See how great I am at spelling my new last name. Uh, how long Jan- did it take you? <laughs> Not very long, but I have some weird, I do have a weird, like if I see something visually enough, like I can spell it. Like I can spell, I could probably spell your name without your last name just because I see it on Instagram. I'm like a visual learner. I don't know what it is. I photographic like, Yeah, memory? it's like a photo, kind of like photographic memory. It's There's something about words too. I remember the weirdest things. Um, you can also uh, find us uh, at novus.global. That's N-O-V-U-S dot global. We also have an Instagram, but our site actually has a lot of great resources that I enjoy a lot. Um, uh, articles, um, ex- explanations of what we do with teams and leaders to help them uh, explore what they're capable of. So I would go there uh, or my Instagram. Yeah. Tell our audience about the assessment. Yes, we also have a 5i assessment that you can find. And I believe it's actually located in one of our articles. Um, I don't, I can't remember right now. You can also find it on our podcast. There's a link to it. Uh, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you Google or search Beyond High Performance, uh, one of our recent episodes that I'm on, we talk about this assessment that helps you uh, find what your highest motivator in life is currently. Um, and so actually there's a lot of crossover between today's conversation and that, because it just talks about what's your bullseye. What do you, what are you motivated by right now? And it can change at any given point in your life. Uh, right now, um, what's motivating me as I design my life is very different than two years ago. So check it out, uh, beyond high performance, uh, on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Anybody who um, is interested in even just like having a first date with some coaches, highly recommend just to get a feel of what it would be like and what your meetings will be like. Um, You know, go to Novus Global, reach out to them. They have a Rolodex of coaches um, that that have different specialties and, Mm -hmm. you know, personality types. Um, And I say this because you like five different people can tell me the same message, but I'll only really receive it from like one or two of them. It just really depends on the tone and, and how it's like presented to me. I don't know if that's like weird or not. Um, that's awesome, (laughs) but it just is. Um, and Janet, thank you for being the first guest on Vino podcast. Thank you, Um, Katrina. 